When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, welcome back to The Handmade Podcast. This is episode two. I'm here with Derek from Malden, Paul Pinto, and I am Chris Zepp from Make Everything. Um, Thank you for coming back. For our second episode, we're going to get into a little more of the stuff that we're working on, uh, the stuff that we have coming up and, uh, you know, just regular old shop talk and the things that are happening in our lives and our businesses. So we're going to start right off with, uh, what we were working on this last week. And Derek, you get to, uh, you get to hit it from the top. What you got going on last week? So I got a lot of little things going on. So I mentioned a little bit that I got a new CNC machine and um, just really excited. It was a lot of work to get it put together. I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal to um, do it. I went to upstate New York to pick it up and uh, picked up a couple guys there, picked up Jimmy and uh, Aaron. And, um, you know, we went and got it. And uh, it was a lot. It was a lot to take it apart. It was a lot to get it home. And I finally got in the basement and I thought I was going to be all set. And um, I could. Um, just had problems with the software and uh, a couple other issues that I got ironed out. But I finally got it cutting, made a few small projects. I'm working on uh, doing flags this week, cutting the stars for those. And, um, you know, it's been fun. It's been a lot, uh, a lot of learning. I thought I knew how to run a machine, but I tell you, it's a lot different than the other ones I had. So, And you're using... Uh the same it, you're using the same program that you used in the past to would generate the yeah the yeah probably, yeah, right? yeah yeah i'm using uh vetric for the um to generate everything and to you know is um you know to put it out i'm using mach 3 to run the machine and that's um different it's not like made ex- like just for this machine it's made to yeah. just run cncs in general so there's a lot to it which is good but there's a lot to it, and that's what's bad as well. It's just a lot to set up, and it's a big, powerful machine. It's scary. It's, uh, you know, surfacing the the wasteboard, and, you know, you got that fly cutter going at, you know, 14,000 RPMs, a two-inch cutter. It's a lot going on there, you know, and uh, spits up a lot of dust. I found that out, yeah. and um, even with the dust collector, it was a freaking disaster, you know. But uh, Well, the dust boot is also a pretty critical part to that. Yeah, and if you don't know where that thing is, it's it's a problem. You know, we had a little problem with the dust boot. We lost it. 
But um, after about a three-hour search, we found it. It was um, it was hiding under a uh, under a tank, but uh, I found it. So all's well over here right now. That's cool though to learn Mach three because I know like I see a lot of guys that build their own CNCs. They run either Mach three or I think there's up to Mach five, right? Um, yeah, I know Mach four. I don't know about Mach five, but yeah. Mach, Mach 10. But I mean, you're learning something that goes almost universally where if you built your own plasma table or something, you could just program it with Mach 3. Yeah. You, you know, you wouldn't have to learn a whole nother language, which is awesome. Yeah. I literally don't have a clue what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Mach 4, Mach yeah. 8. I don't know what's you'll going on. You'll know about. soon enough. Once oh, you yeah. have CNC, you'll know. I mean, all these things. I got to learn all this stuff. Well, I got to get something. It's funny. So I was thinking, funny you said that. So I was thinking, geez, now I know Mach 3. When I go up to Jimmy's, I can use his CNC and he's not going to bitch about it. So I said, um, on Mach 3, he goes, oh, I don't know how to use it. I says, what do you use? He goes, oh, ShopBot has their own software. I says, oh, shit, uh, I'm not going to be able to use this <laughs> now, but, but I'm sure it's similar because I was using uh, UCCNC, and it's kind of like that, but on steroids, you know, yeah. it just is a lot. That's good, though. I mean, it's 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 all it's all good language. I mean, it's like learning how to edit an iMovie and then going to, like, Premiere. Like, it's yeah. totally different, but at the same time, like, you know, the fundamentals are there. Yeah, I still haven't graduated to Premiere yet. I have it, but I just haven't. <laughs> I no, haven't you edited like Premiere. I use iMovie. I don't know Get what to do with Premiere. Oh my god! I thought I'm thinking Paul's 20 years old. He's up on all the. No, I I'm like old school. I know how to use Photoshop and Illustrator pretty yeah. well. I haven't figured out Premiere though because it's just the stuff I'm doing is not that advanced. So it's like I probably could take and you know a couple hours and figure it out in Premiere. But like iMovie right now does everything I needed to do pretty much. Like there might've been like one or two times where I wish I could have like done something different, but I just haven't taken the time to figure it out. But I need to do that because I'm sure I'm missing out on a lot of features. I think there's a, a level of speed that comes along with it. And I had gone through it with Derek a little bit at WorkbenchCon, but we were both like, it was so distracting and, and uh, it, you know, it was, it was not like the right venue to kind of do it. But I think I've tried to edit in iMovie because I, I was doing more like basic video editing for a minute and in between final cut used to be like the best program and then final mm. kind of crappy. And then premiere was not great either. So there was a, a moment where you, you kind of had to pick if you were using a DSLR, like which software was good and none of them were great. So I tried to use iMovie and I've been using final cut since 2005. So it, to move, move to iMovie, I was like, oh, it's going to be so simple, right? Like, you know, anybody can use iMovie. It was, I couldn't even do anything. Hold really? Like 2005? A, Paul, how yeah. old were you in 2005? 2005? What was I? Five or six years old. <laughs> so I, I, learned how to, oh I learned how to use Final Cut when I was in high school because I bought myself a laptop and I was doing freelance editing for like whoever would pay me to do it. And then, you know. I graduated. I was doing finger painting. <laughs> I was doing freelance finger painting. So one day we'll have a uh, we'll have a, a premiere lesson. But Paul, what are you working on this week? Um, well, right now I'm working on. I had to cover a couple of wooden doors with sheet metal, and um, it's for that hotel that I was working at um, a little while ago. And I did a lot of stuff at the hotel, like involving like steel and rivets. I made those portholes. Some people might remember with all those steel rivets in them. So I took some flat bar and, you know, welded it to the edges of the door um, and then drilled a bunch of holes and added big half inch rivets. The head of the rivet is bigger than half inch, but the shank is half inch. 
Um, so that's what I did today. Um, it went pretty well. They look really nice, but the problem was the doors, they were like paper mache. There was like nothing to the doors. They were really old beat up doors and they were like cheap ones. So like I couldn't screw into them really. I ended up having to, you know, weld some bolts to the back of a few of the rivets and drill holes through the door and bolt the whole, you know, sheet metal assembly onto the door and then use it, like make a washer and use a nut on the back of the door to, to keep it on there. Did you do the rivets um, hot or cold? No, you know what I ended up doing was just buying, um, I forget what website I used. There's a really good website that has a ton of rivets. You can get them in all different sizes. Um, but I bought rivets with the shortest shank possible. And then I just drilled half inch holes and stuck the rivets in the holes and tacked them from the back. Nice. Um, and then just drilled a bunch of holes um, into the door. So the, the shank of the rivet, the stuff that was sticking out could sit in the door flush. Um, because the, I could have done it hot, but then the problem is you'd have, you know, a gap in between the sheet metal and the door. Um, and if I cut, you know, the head of the, like cut the shank off the rivet, then there wouldn't be a good way to like weld it. Cause then you'd have to tack it from the outside, which would be visible. So I kind of found a way to keep everything all hidden and keep everything flush. It'd be a lot more work to try to do them hot too, as welding. Well, you know what? It's, it, it's funny if I didn't have to put, um, these things on a door and I was, I, what I wanted to do actually was make a new door at a like quarter inch plate or something. And if I drilled holes and you almost don't even have to do these ones hot. If I use my hydraulic press, you could kind of just make like a rivet header mm -hmm. and then use the press to squish the back. And these rivets actually are a little soft and they squish pretty nicely. Um, even when they're cold. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's actually quicker. Like when I did those portholes, I could put all the rivets probably 12 rivets, I think, in each porthole. I did them in like a minute each. Like I just went around rapid fire with the press, just popping them in and squishing them. And so that's what I really would have wanted to do. But he wanted to use the original door so he could use like standard doorknobs and stuff, which I, I could understand. Yeah, I guess I would think about managing those big doors might be hard though because it's, you know, like moving the moving them around around the press. But probably. Yeah, that's true. I, I would have to come up with some type of like a, a stand. Did you ever see um, the rivets? I think I mentioned before, Doug from Offerly Rogue made. They're screws, and they have – hard to explain, hard to visualize, but it's picture a screw, a rivet with a screw head on it, like uh, kind of like those temporary nails. And mm -hmm. when you put it in, it's got a weak spot on it, so the screw breaks off, and it's oh. the rivet there. And it's absolutely amazing. I, he used to sell them on Etsy, and um, – and huh. he, he does that. And if you ever do any uh, doors like that in the future, look up his stuff because he does a lot with making it look old and, um, you know, different patinas and stuff like that. But he makes a lot of sheet metal doors. He delivers them around the country. He did uh, wow. for Boston. He actually was heading out here. He drove them out here. But he does a lot of that type of stuff. But he had these rivets. They were unbelievable. And I, I couldn't believe that. Uh, I think he tried to get them manufactured. But, you know, you had to get so many thousand of them at a time. And he's like, I wasn't going to bother. But you have to look them up. So it's Doug from Artfully Rogue. Check that out. That sounds like one of those TC bolts, Chris. You ever seen, you know, like, the tension control uh -huh. bolts? Where like yep. it's it snaps off when he's I'm confused at what exactly Derek like what the what the things he makes are, but it reminded me when you were talking about it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like that. So picture nobody can see this, but picture yeah. this. This is the rivet. And uh -huh. You tighten this pot, and then this is it weak metal off. and it snaps right off and you have grounded flush. So yeah, that's so the, the head, there's a weak spot is in the shank. There's yeah. probably oh, okay. or in the shank, like a shank. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or if you've ever used those, uh, Derek, you probably use these. You ever use those, uh, those anti, uh, those screws to help your floor stop squeaking? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like a screw. Paul, I don't know if you ever seen these. They're pretty slick. Um, and at first I thought they were a gimmick until I saw a floor guy actually use them, but it's a, it's a screw, like a three inch, uh, decking screw with a, a weak spot in it. So you tighten the screw and there's like a separate section of threads kind of three quarters of the way up. And as you tighten the screw, it sucks the floor in to stop. Oh, I've seen that. And then the head snaps off and you're left with like a tiny little hole. I see. So the, oh, so the, the rivet that he get the damn screw out ever. <laughs> so the rivet that he makes though, part of the thread obviously has to stay attached to the rivet so the rivet stays attached yeah. to the sheet metal. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I was yeah. confused about. So it's almost like a bolt on the back. So it is right? just like a TC bolt yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. TC bolts are very cool and it, it's funny because I was uh, on the job that I'm on in New Jersey. I was with my partner over there and you can see when they're all in and we were looking through the the there's a huge superstructure on the roof. And I was saying how I was saying, oh, you know, this part isn't done yet. And he was like, how can you tell? I said, because the tabs are still on the bolt. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? And I explained to him, you know, how there's these bolts that snap off on the end. Um, and that's how you can tell when the connection is is totally complete. It's uh, it's really interesting. You ever see Makita makes a cordless TC bolt wrench? You with your freaking cordless stuff? It, <laughs> listen, uh, listen, have you ever used the uh, the, the TC guns? But no, I don't have one. I gotta get one though. They, they weigh like thirty-five pounds. I bet. Yeah, I bet so they. If you I, can I, get one that's lighter, then by all means, you're gonna want it. Wouldn't the cordless be heavy? Because now you got a battery on it. Yeah, but or the, do they make it light? It's 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 brushless motor. It's oh yeah yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Certain things I love cordless, and th certain things I just I like. Like you, Paul. It's like if you're going to use like a skill saw, it's like if you're going to use a circular saw, it's got to be like a worm drive skill saw. Yeah. Like yeah, I can't I think, do like a little like yeah. tiny Milwaukee thing with the battery on it. It's drill, like drill should be the only cordless tool. I like drills and impact guns and, you know, even like the small um, like the SDS uh, plus, you hmm. know, little Milwaukee thing I have. It's pretty good. But if I'm going to drill a huge hole, like I'd give me a cord. Like I can't screw around with the battery. Next if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be the nine inch cordless Milwaukee grinder. Have you ever used that? I used that one. I've used it. It's pretty good. And the battery, a lot depends on the battery because they have those like upgraded batteries and stuff. But if you're going to be doing something serious, like, you know, drilling big, huge, you know, like over an inch holes with like an SDS yeah. max, like drill, it's like, you got to have a, a cord. Like I wouldn't buy a cordless one of those. Um, yeah, the same thing with you know what you know what though the angle grinder the Milwaukee angle grinder you told me to buy that the cordless one the cordless one sorry and I use that grinder more than any of the corded ones just for quick stuff mm. like when I need to you know do light work or just cut something quick or grind a little thing here um, I, I do tend to use funny. that one more they they, just sound, they sound funny though they just they. Cordless tools don't even sound right. They sometimes. sound like they're they're screaming off the edge of a cliff. They're yeah. like trying to yeah. run yeah. so hard. But it's it's funny because the grind is it's like I hate the cordless grinders, but every time I use a grinder, I have like five of them. I the cords drive me nuts. So mm -hmm. it's like you know, what cordless grinder do you have? I just use Chris as the big one. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm I've used. Um I know Chris, you like Milwaukee. I am going to transition to Hilti. Going Hilti. I'm going healthy eventually. The first thing I got to get, um, which is a tool I want, is the Hilti core drill. Yeah. 
Have you seen Milwaukee just came out with uh, on their new big battery platform? Oh, really? How, how expensive is it? It's pretty expensive, but it's got um, it's it's interesting because you see, like in a lot of the cordless tools, they put safety stuff that doesn't exist in the corded tools. Like so, yeah. cordless uh, core drill has like an anti kickback thing. So, like if you ever use That's a core drill, nice. like when they grab oh, they'll break your wrist. it's it's bad break it's really bad like bruise your legs so this thing as soon as it jostles it just shuts right off i got a story about that about it's, core it's, drilling it's, it's pretty cool we'll start i was next episode i was you want me to do it now or you want me to save it for the next give one give it to us give it to us. i was literally my dad had a friend who like owned like a building and there was a parking lot right by a cliff and rocks were breaking off this cliff so me and fred my boy um, got commissioned to install like a rock netting system, this crazy system with these huge cables. That. We had absolutely no business <laughs> installing this thing. It was the craziest thing ever. Um, but before that, before we even got the system, I had to core drill up in the cliff. So I'm on an extension ladder, like 15, 20 feet up on the side of the cliff with the core drill and the bucket, the, the little um, water squirter thing. I have the, the the water pump in between my legs, pumping the water, a core drill with like a four-inch bit on it, jamming up. I'm on the side of the cliff trying to drill horizontally. It was such a nightmare. I was ready to throw the thing off the cliff. And it was, it was just a nightmare. I never wanted to use a core drill again. Did but your mother I, approve this? Or? She doesn't know. Yeah. She doesn't even know what that is. Hopefully she doesn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, core drilling. Yeah, but I that's why I want to get the Hilti one though because um even though it's it's $2600 um you can get the base for it. Mm-hmm. So you can put it on the base and um you know not have to worry about holding it and keeping it, you know, plumb. But for it the people who don't know what a cord it was you probably explain what a cord drill is yeah. too cuz there's probably some people like what is that? So when you have a when you have to drill a hole, I think it's over 2 inches. You use a, a giant diamond-coated hole saw that's really long, like a tube, a big cylinder. And that's how people drill, you know, holes in the sides of the foundations of houses. It's how they drill in rocks to set uh, splitting wedges when they need to blast rocks apart or put in explosives. And they're amazing. Electricians use them. Plumbers use them. Apparently, iron workers use them a lot, too. Yeah, for railings, for for drilling, for, um, Mm. you know, setting railings. Because I don't like when people, like, make little base plates for the railings and then just use, like, Tapcon screws. No, Mm. it looks It just looks ugly. So it's I I always core drill everything and keep it nice and clean. And it seems like it'd be stronger, too. And you could adjust, you know, you could tweak things. Mm. um, Because if, you know there's something wrong with the surface and you go to use a, you know, you have a railing with a base plate on it and you use Tapcon screws and the surface isn't perfectly level. Then your thing's not plumb and then you got to shim it and you could see the shims and stuff. So it just makes more sense to me to core drill everything, but I got to get a good one. Yeah. Well, the Milwaukee cordless one's four grand. So you can buy oh, it's four grand. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with the Hilti one. What do you That's want? Crazy. We were core drilling uh, through the side of a house. Uh, that had granite stones on it and the granite was so hard that the anchors started pulling the granite blocks off the side of the house and we were going to drill through the foundation and put in threaded rod because it was so bad but that's uh that's a story that's a story for another time what are you working on i was working on a chef's knife 
last week. Um, the first chef's knife I've made uh, since 2013. So uh, it was fun, though. It was it was the last time I made knives and chef's knives was in my garage shop, um, and I had a one by thirty grinder and a little brick uh, heat treating furnace with a, a you know, like a little propane torch. Like I didn't have any other right equipment. I should have been making like little neck knives, but I was trying to be an overachiever and make, you know, an eight inch chef's knife and make it nice. So it was nice to go back and use like the even heat kiln, um, and actually do the heat treat properly. And now that I've got all the hardness testing stuff, I was able to check the hardness after I heat treated and then test the hardness again after it was tempered and make sure everything came out right. And it was, it was a really fun process. It didn't make me want to be a knife maker full time ever, but it was really nice to make one nice, you know, stainless steel knife. And, uh, I'm looking forward to doing it a little more as a hobby. It was fun. I still haven't made a stainless knife. I've never tried it. Um, what is that? It's uh, um, a grinding jig. I just oh yeah. Uh, well, you I'm trying the, to become a knife guy. You got the uh, the one from what is his name? Bill, Bill Benke. Bill Benke. Yeah, yeah, Bill Benke. I've wanted to get that one. It's funny because I have a knife grinding jig that I made, and it was too small to fit on this knife. Yeah, uh, I made another one, and that was when I sliced my thumb open on the bandsaw. Oh, nice. Oh, because is that what you were doing? I, I was cutting a piece of cold rolled and it slipped out of the vise. So I reached my hand around to grab it. And my I have no guard on my cut, on my uh, horizontal cutting bandsaw for those that don't follow me on Instagram. And while the blade was spinning, um, I touched the blade as it was coming towards me with the teeth in like the cutting position. And it just went right through the tip of my thumb. Uh, nice. Um, it didn't catch the fingernail though, because that would have been. It didn't go that deep that it caught the fingernail. So wait a minute, hold on. Didn't you buy? Didn't you buy a jet chopping bandsaw, like a mitering chopping bandsaw? Yeah. Okay. So you have one of those, right? Yeah. You also have a huge cold saw, right? Am yeah. I correct? Yes. Why are you using the Wen Chinese Corona Corona? 3000 bandsaw <laughs> he's committed to the chinese like why so you have like the literally like a cold you know how nice a cold saw is and and, and even the the chopping mitering bandsaw like why the when like you know you that's what you that's what you deserve you cut your I, I did deserve it i I, know back it with roots. <laughs> I just go i go for speed like 99 percent of the time so it's like I was working on this thing and I was like, I got, I got to make a grinding jig. I got to make a grinding jig. So I'm like yeah. through my stock. I find like a nice piece of a one by quarter inch cold rolled flat stock. I was like, Oh, this would be a perfect grinding jig. It's nice and square on the edges. I like throw it at the bandsaw, like close the clamp as fast as I can. Cause I'm filming it too. So I've, al I've already spent five times as much time as I thought I was going to spend. At yeah. Point, and I'm like pissed off that it's not done. So I'm like rushing and rushing. And that jet bandsaw, I just haven't taken the time to really tune. So it doesn't cut square. So uh, my, my jet one doesn't either. Yeah. And the cold saw, the, the jet bandsaw, I, I, I don't know what it was. I was on this impulse where I was like, I need, uh, I wanted a, a my, I wanted a chopping bandsaw that would miter in both directions. Yeah. And it's really hard to find one that miters both ways. And when you make frames out of angle iron, yeah, you need, you need to miter both ways. It's, it's a nightmare without it's a nightmare. It. Um, so I, I looked and looked and then one day that one popped up on Craigslist 
and it's a it's like a thousand dollar saw, but I think I got it for like maybe three fifty. And as soon as I bought it and brought it home and like really looked at it, I was like, oh, this thing probably sucks. And yeah, I, my I my jet thing sucks. I so, I spent a thousand dollars when I didn't know any better on a little jet like five by eight chopping mm-hmm. bandsaw. It's the biggest piece of crap. I, 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 the jet stuff, the woodworking stuff's fine. Yeah. I forget the metalworking stuff. It's just not, you know, at first when I didn't know any better, I'm like, Oh jet, this must be like, yeah, you know, the, the professional grade stuff. And I get this thing and it's a piece of crap. And now I really know what the good stuff is. Yeah. This thing uh, that I got, like the guy I got it from, like he was legit. It was this, this art fabricating studio in, in uh Long Island city. And like, you know, they had they did serious work and i could tell that the saw was actually used yeah like i felt better when i bought it i was like all right this guy isn't just selling it because it's trash but then i realized that most of the stuff they did was in brass mm. so probably why but whatever i'll either wind up the, the plan is to take the cold saw and build it into a bench and also take that dual mitering bandsaw and set it up right next to it so that because yeah. like what a lot of people you know uh people thinking about what a cold saw is a lot of people think it's those ones um that look like a metal cutting saw that use the carbide blade and it's you know no, it's, it, not that. it's like kind of a cold saw but it's not really a, a real metal working cold saw uses a high speed steel blade and coolant and it really cuts cold it cuts really slow and it just yeah. kind of chews its way through the material and that's what like a real metal shop would use because it's a perfect cut and they're incredibly accurate. The problem is when you use a cold saw the way it's meant to be used, your blade is supposed to match your material. So if you cut tube, you got to have a blade that cuts tube. If then you go to cut solid, you really are supposed to take the blade off and it's supposed to be a different number of teeth and a different. You're right. Yeah. So like when you're someone like, like any of us, really, none of us use the same material every time we cut metal, you know, so like for any of us to be set up, you know, to cut one inch box tube and then all of a sudden you have a two inch piece of solid, your cold saw needs to be operated differently. So I think the only way that I'll be able to use them efficiently is to have a bandsaw and the cold saw. But one day. Yeah, that makes sense. You almost have to have it set up in like that whole back bench in your shop. You get a both saw set up with a whole like little in feed and out feed yeah. table and you could use them both. My cold saw. I use it all the time. It still like chatters like crazy, hmm. even though I replaced all the moving parts. Did you get a brand um, new blade, or you're still using the reground? Brand new blade. Really? I ordered a brand new blade. I ordered all new bearings. How much are um, blades for those? Are they expensive? What are they like? Over hundred, a little over hundred bucks. So Depends on the size of your saw. You have a ten, yeah. so your blades are a little cheaper. I have a fourteen inch, and they get like exponentially more expensive. Mm-hmm. I need a fourteen inch saw. I almost want to get one of those because I use it so much. And it's so nice if it like worked properly, but I want to get one of those um, semi-automatic, you know, hydraulic ones where you put your foot on the foot pedal and the arm comes down. Because if you have to like cut 50 pieces or 100 pieces of something, Mm -hmm. it's kind of taxing because you really got to pull down on that handle. And if you had a hydraulic like foot pedal, it would make it so much quicker you gotta do the bungee cord method like i do on the wen dude i put a bungee cord on the handle (laughs) i i literally that's why i cut my thumb because i had a clamp on the trigger and a bungee cord Uh, pulling it down and i thought oh i can adjust the the material while it's cutting and that's when i got zapped so so the cold saw real quick the cold saw it's so it's more accurate is that what it is like as opposed to say one of those was it like um 
evolution. Yeah, the evolution. Well, those ones are pretty good, though. I, I think they're okay, right? The evolutions are pretty accurate, but you got to remember, like, you're asking, like, 100 carbide teeth to fly through the material so fast. So you're going to get a lot of blade deflection. You got a lot of material flying everywhere. So, like, yeah, they're, they're very accurate. But also, too, like, I, I have – a pretty expensive one of those. I have a steel max, which is like one of the more expensive ones on the market. And mm-hmm. the vice is garbage. The, that's the, the thing. Lightering advice is garbage. So like, I wish someone would come out with like a really robust one of those that mitered in both directions and you would clean up because it would be perfect. Cause that thing will cut anything. You can put one inch solid in there. You can put thin tube, heavy tube. Um, but you know, when you, when you use a cold saw or actually, I don't think any of us have even used a good one. We saw a good one at Fabtech when you, yeah, the Doringer one, when you see a good one cut Derek, it looks like it was like, like stupid. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It was, oh, didn't even make sense. It was yeah, like really. silent, but that's a good idea though. You, you, I was thinking about that a little bit too. Like why don't they basically make something as robust and overbuilt as like a cold saw with the full base big cast vice mm-hmm. mitering both ways. Like you said, but with a high speed blade like that, like maybe they do somewhere, yeah. but I don't know. It seems to be either those little, you know, portable ones that you could like the evolution or the steel max ones. And then it's a cold saw, like a big, yeah. you know, mm. like machine that you can't move around. And cold saws are also like thousands of dollars. Like the yeah, they're like, cold saw you can buy, I think it's like 2,500 bucks. You yeah. Know? And that's probably the cheapest, yeah. like cheapest one. Some of them are five, seven ten grand you know yeah but i've got a lead on a scotchman paul if you want it that oh really i like the scotchman ones yeah it's uh it's a dual vice one it's nice oh yeah yeah that's what uh, i need but yeah so that essentially that's that's what i was working on so speaking of tools what what do you guys have going on in terms of your tool this week what'd you get we pretty much always buy tools every week one of us or all of us really probably get a new tool i know one of us definitely i try to get a new tool every two days otherwise yeah but uh let's let's talk about the tools that we either got or used a lot this week all right so one of the new tools me and chris were talking about a little bit earlier i'm looking to get a nice lift for my router and i thought i finally found one i have a, a base of my table saw a wing that has just a insert and I, the router is in there. I use that as the lift, the mechanism on the router. And I've been doing that for years and drives me crazy. I never use my router as much as I should. So when I got the CNC, the kid was selling a router table and it was a piece of junk, but he had a nice rock lift in there with a beautiful port cable um, router. It's like three and a half horsepower. It's huge. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, wow. It's like an industrial router. It's unbelievable. And, um, I got it. I smashed the table up and left that there. I kept the fence and everything, and I get it home, and it didn't fit. And I'm just kind of bummed out because (laughs) I thought all the lifts were the same size, but they're not, you know. And so it's like I either need a smaller lift or a bigger hole in my table. Either one I'm not going to do. So I think I might just have to get a new saw stop to fit it in or something. I don't know. I uh, you might as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, gotta, I mean, eventually that's what I was planning on doing anyway is getting a saw stop. If this doesn't fit in there, I'll get the saw stop lift because it's a nice lift. But um, and then just sell this one. But um, 
just a little disappointed. You know, like I said, I thought they were all the same size, but obviously they're not. So my new tool can't be used. Um, three twenty-five for so, the router, with the lift. Yeah, and with the um, the T-track thing there, the uh, Ancra fence. Yeah. System. So the, the router he had paid three seventy-five for. I was gonna so. say I just found the router. I'd never seen that router, so I looked it up. Yeah, it's it's on sale for three fifty. So I think you did pretty yeah. good at. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the Ancra um, fence system, that thing, I know that's pricey. It's yeah. the big T one, so it's you know, yeah, it's a great setup, but it's not going to be used in Derek from Alden's shop. So that's a big router. It's like a shaper almost. Oh, dude, it, that, it's so it, big, it says, three horsepower. It says yeah. on the side of it. It says. Oh my God, this thing, it weighs a ton. Look at this thing. Look at the switch on it for this. Oh, wow. This That's is like a real industrial router we're talking. This isn't like the Home Depot special. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's, uh, it says this in the Ryobi variable speed production router. Yeah. Thing is heavy. But um, yeah, it's nice. It's real nice. So that's cool. Yeah. For you. So that's yeah, fine. Cool that I'm not using. So add that to the collection. Thank you. It'll be a good project to look forward to getting uh, yeah. getting set up, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what do you guys – would you get anything good or – who should who should go first? Chris? You uh, go? Right, Chris oh, is you're up. Go. I'm up? All right. Yeah. Well, I got – my tool is a scissor lift. What? Um, That oh, I got yeah. – oh, That I got bad. on an auction Um, because I need one. Can't say why yet, but I need one. Um, and it's, it's great. It's really nice. And I got a crazy deal because I looked these things. Up. I only spent a couple thousand dollars on it, but I looked these things up to buy this model new is like 30 grand, which I didn't even wow. realize. They're so expensive. Unreal. Um, but it's a JLG. Um, I think it goes, I think the platform height is 26 feet. And then like they advertised it as a 30 foot, but I think that meant 30 foot working height, meaning like your hands are roughly going to be at 30 feet. Um, so they kind of, you know, false advertising on bid spotter, but what are you going to do? Um, but it, it, we got it shipped here. Um, I got it in Florida, actually, it was at an auction in Tampa and then we got it shipped here. Um, but it's really nice. They definitely did a little paint job on it because in the picture on the auction, the thing looked like, you know, it just rolled out of the factory because the paint was like super bright. There wasn't like any marks on it. I'm like, oh my God, this thing's brand new. And I get it here and someone definitely did a little uh, touch-ups on it, but it still works, you know, totally fine. Yeah. Um, but like I went all the way up on it out in the parking lot. Like it's not safe. Like I don't know who designed these things. I don't know. They're literally so scary. 18 inches wide. The thing goes 30, like 26 feet up in the air. Like I don't even, it rocks. Like you could rock oh, the yeah. thing back forth like a foot it doesn't make any sense how they're safe and you're supposed like, to tie like, off to that so yeah that's, that's what i was just about to say got yeah. up. <laughs> my dad's like oh we got to get your harness for this thing i'm like a harness i like i'm not worried about falling out i'm worried about the whole thing falling over yeah you but want a jimmy's and a, and a crane so that in case you fall yeah. the crane yeah. you pull your ass back up yeah unless i you know tie off to the 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 oh, joist oh. in the building that i'm working in when you we know, I don't understand why I'm tying off to the thing that's about to tip over. I, when we were in that, Paul, I couldn't wait till we'd get all the way up because at least like when we're up in the rafters, I'm like, if this thing goes all on, I'm yeah, gonna hug the rafter until you know somebody comes and saves me. You know, the Jimmy's, fire department. 
Jimmy's was weird because did you notice this? Driving Jimmy's around, it's like really jerky. Mm. Like if you move the lever, yeah. it like jolts yeah. forward a foot. Yeah. Which I thought that's just like the way they are. And I got yeah. in line and it like is you you have pretty good control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of times um, they go into like if they're up at all, they go really slow. Like, yeah, that's up, this like, one does a foot. They'll go slow, and then once your outriggers are out, sometimes you can get them to lift the outriggers. I don't know if yours is like this. Will yours move at full height? Because sometimes they won't move at all at full. I height. don't know because I the problem was I when I when I lifted it up at full height, I was in between the telephone lines and the building, so I couldn't really move it. But. Um, I noticed like it has those little outriggers on it, Yeah. but I don't understand the point of the outriggers because the outriggers, when they fold out, don't touch the ground and they don't spread out any further than the width of the machine. I think they're really more for, cause if you imagine, right, you're 20 feet up and you lean, right. And you put all that leverage on a, on a, uh, like the joint in that wheel and that wheel fails, right? Uh, like maybe know. that rigger no. is just there. Cause I, I they're not, maybe. They're like little tiny. They're like maybe they're like flaps, and they're little flaps. Yeah, they're not like if you. Uh, we're saying outriggers, but if you're if you've never seen one of these before, it's not like when you see like an excavator with like its feet out. We're talking about like like shims. We're talking about like little, yeah. little shims underneath the side of the machine. It's like imagine like you know the wings of a bird, but they're like you know like six inches long, yeah. and they only like they don't fold out past the machine. They only fold out from being tucked completely under it to being vertical right in line with the wheels yeah. but the outriggers don't like touch the ground they're like a half inch from the ground so if the thing tips you know i don't i'm sure there's a reason for them but if it tips it seems like it's just going to stay up on the edge of the wheels and the outrigger will never hit the ground even if it tips unless like you know maybe they're there because the wheels have some give to them and the tires have a little bit of flex yeah, yeah, that's what and I. It think. will hit the ground, but yeah. I don't know. Like it's Chris crazy. said, if it broke off, like the wheel broke. Or something yeah, like the wheel that. better not break. We, um, it's funny, you know, like they have like the load capacities and those, so it worked. When we would get a new bucket truck, we'd have to go to this place that built them, and they mm -hmm. would, you know, test them and stuff, and they'd put like, oh, it's rated for this. So I thought, like, when they put the sticker on, like it was all this scientific testing and everything, and what they used to do is they would take it. And they would pick up an 800-pound block, and they would extend oh, the yeah. bucket, and they would swing it all the way around. And then they'd be like, okay, it didn't fail. It's all set. <laughs> but I used to be like, maybe <laughs> it was fine, and now you just broke it. That's Yeah, you you're know, right. Like, like, this thing was perfectly good. Now you just fractured you just something, putting 800 pounds on it. So now my petite body, when I'm up in it, it's going to fail, you know? And I never just got that. I'm like, couldn't they, like, scientifically figure out what this thing's rated for? Like, we have to swing a huge block of concrete from it, you know? But, yeah, I never liked that stuff. Just don't trust it. I saw a video where they were doing the same thing just with one of those big tower cranes. And I guess every, at least the video said they do this every time, like every morning when they start up the crane, they have these big concrete blocks and they extend the, the boom all the way out. They pick the block up a couple feet off the ground and the crane has some type of computer system that lets them know like if it's, you know, yeah. got enough, like counterweight or whatever and that it's a safe load to pick up and then they, you know, could work for the rest of the day. It's funny. I just watched a video. It was an old video, but AVE, he did a video on one that failed. 
I think it was in California or Oregon or Washington, somewhere out there. But uh-huh. Actually, I think they were working on like Google's building, but the tower crane collapsed and it killed oh my a God. couple people. Yeah, I guess it killed a little kid and a mother and stuff. Oh, but um, yeah, it was horrific. But it was pretty interesting. He had pitches that looked like somebody might have sent them to him. He shouldn't have had them, maybe. And um, he kind of analyzed the sections of the the um like the structure itself and how it wasn't damaged and it was laying down on its side. So it was like these pins were missing. I don't know what the final outcome was of it and why mm-hmm. it failed and everything, but it was just, you know, he was talking about how they were put up and everything like that. And yeah, one pin. One yeah. pin can be the reason that something like that failed. Yeah. Yeah. One, one hydraulic line. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Well, that's a cool tool. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, but it's scary. It's a tool that I don't really want to use. No, so you, want, you want to be able, you want to have that so that you don't have to rent one for the guys yeah. that are working for you. You don't, want, yeah. you don't want to be a Jimmy. Because, yeah, because you end up spending more money renting the stuff in the long run, you know, not even in the long, pretty quickly you end up spending more money, you know, on rentals, deliveries, because they charge you to deliver the thing too, unless you want to go pick it up. What did it cost to get it delivered from Florida? It was like 700 bucks. That's not bad. Oh, I know. It's pretty good. Yeah. They, it cost they, you um, that much to get it delivered to a job site in Connecticut from your shop. Exactly. Like my Bridgeport back when I first got it, I think they charged like over $1,000 to bring it from one end of Connecticut to the other. Yeah. 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 So it was a pretty good deal. Um, yeah. That's like I've been looking at equipment for my property up by uh, by Jimmy's. And like, you know, I was going to buy I was going to buy a full size um, backhoe for up there, like a 14,000 pound machine. And I wound up not getting it just because the terrain up there is just going to be too difficult. But to rent like a small Kubota backhoe from Home Depot, let's just say, a lot of money. is 2,500 a month. And I was yeah. going to spend 10 grand on the backhoe and buy it and own it. So, yeah. you know, for, it's crazy if you, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot more of a financial burden to spend 10 mm-hmm. or $15,000 to buy a machine that, you know, you, you might not need every day, but like, you know, to, to rent something for a month and know that I could have spent, you know, not that much more and had it the next month and the next month drives me nuts. That's why I can't, I can't ever think of renting a machine. I look for, uh, I look for excavators every day. <laughs> for the property upstate that'll be a yeah great, that'll be a fun machine we got a router lift and a sizzle lift let's see what did you get Corey? what did i get this week i didn't i don't think i got any new tools this week Isn't that doesn't possible? even that doesn't even that's make a straight sense. up lie that no i don't think I, bought, I don't think i bought any new tools this this last well, you probably week. bought two tools last week so tell us about you gave your ups out. driver a break this week yeah i don't think uh i don't think i got any new tools last week i didn't go out and go on any craigslist hunts um i'm building a new tool that's oh, I, you know, I saw that so i'm building uh, a guillotine tool for blacksmithing based on cliff dufton's guillotine tool um, it's something that I wanted and I wanted to buy one from him, but I just figured I had all the material sitting in my shop. So I might as well make one. So a guillotine tool is, um, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a press, but instead of using a, uh, controlled like uh, lever to press down, you hit it. Um, so if you can imagine what an Arbor press looks like, but instead of turning a crank, to send the ram down you actually hit the top of the ram with a hammer 
and it just drives it down. And if you've ever seen one used, they're really useful for making shapes out of small stuff or blacksmithing. Cause I have a project coming up that I'm, I've been wanting to do for a couple of years and I'll need a guillotine tool to do it efficiently. So, so what's the purpose of it? Is that instead of using the cut thing on the, I don't do. So like if, the, you, like if, if, if you had, uh, if you didn't have a guillotine to get the same effect that you get with a guillotine tool, you would need a striker. So oh, okay. you need a bottom tool and a top tool. So if you had um, like say a, a, a hot cut in your, in your hardy hole on your anvil and then you had a piece of round stock let's say and you wanted to put like a sharp divot in it all the way around the stock you'd have to put you know a okay tool, tool on top and you'd have yeah. to strike it so yeah. could you do it alone yeah probably you'd have to hold the stock between your legs yeah. hold the top tool with your hand and then hit the top tool with the hammer but with a guillotine tool you've got both tools right there Mm. Uh, and some of the stuff that Cliff's done with his, like he showed some little shaping hammers that he made and oh. it's like, it looks amazing. So I yeah. think it'd be fun. It basically controls like, you know, your hammer blow, it, your, your hammer blow is going to go in the same spot every single time because you're hitting this tool. Um, and you could interchange the dies. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. So you could have, yeah, like Chris said, you could have like a, I guess you could have like a cutoff die. You could have like butchering dies or round dies or square dies. Yeah, and Cliff's um, made a couple where he's like welded like two pieces of bar stock to it. Yeah. And then you've got like double like kind of dimples. So like he'll use it on the end of a punch to make like a decorative kind of like uh, fillet around the end of a punch. Mm. So it's, it's really, it's really, really versatile. And obviously like you could make the same tooling for say a hydraulic press, but this is you know so much smaller and easier to make um and you probably you know you get maybe a little you get a little less power per impact but maybe a little more control than you would on like say a hydraulic press because you're you're hitting it by hand and what's cool about the design that i borrowed from cliff is it uses one inch by two inch solid for the top and the bottom die so i just bought a length of that from my steel supplier for like 40 bucks and i could make you know, I could make probably 40 sets of, of tooling and they'll just be interchangeable. Yeah. That's a, that's a good design. He's freaking smart. He's, he's got, he's the guy. best. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was happy. I, I messaged him last night about it and he actually has 20 guillotine tools ready to sell that he finished right before oh, wow. the, uh, coronavirus. So, and I, th I want to say they're like 400 bucks. So if you're listening to this, my guillotine tool is probably done and I probably posted about it on Instagram. So if you want one, don't message me, message Cliff Dufton and, uh, and buy one from him because his are like laser cut and they're like, it's all cold rolled material. They look like, you know, they came out of a factory, but they came out of, uh, out of his shop <laughs> in the upper West side. So that's my new tool of the week. Yeah. He makes some really nice stuff. You know? Yeah. I've talked to him a couple times. Stuff. Yeah, just really, really amazing stuff. Him and like like Jacob Ferrum, like their stuff is so like precise, it like doesn't even make sense. Mm. Like it doesn't it looked like it almost was like drop forge, which it's definitely mm. not, but it's like so perfect because you know like some people make stuff and you could you could definitely tell that it was handmade. But yeah. their stuff is like so clean and crisp and all the lines are so nice and there's no like you know, extra hammer marks or nicks in, in, in their stuff, which is how you really know, you know, well, they're that was the, super the, skilled. The um what was it that Andrew got from Chris? The um the dividers or whatever the dividing cow. Oh, the ones that Ilya yeah. made? Yeah. yeah. 
like like that's amazing that somebody made that russian dividing calipers are like that i feel like dividing calipers are are something that like if if you're a blacksmith and you make them and they suck you don't show anybody but if you're a blacksmith and you make them and they're good everyone is impressed by it i I can't even believe that those were like i mean they were obviously handmade but like Mm -hmm. just unbelievable yeah it's crazy beautiful like it's just How's that even possible? If you want to see a beautiful pair of dividing calipers, go on uh, Blacksmith Tools on Instagram, and you'll see the ones that Ilya um, from the that the that works channel made for Andrew in exchange for some wrought iron. It's really amazing. But what uh, crazy? What do you guys got coming up next in your shops, Derek? Oh, for me, surprise! I'm going to be making. um, It's funny. An old friend of mine. He's older guy you know like my age single no kids and um has a good job and he just goes through a lot of cars he loves buying cars and um he just bought a new hellcat i don't even know what kind of car that is i don't dodge yeah i know it's expensive and he said geez he goes your signs are beautiful any chance you could make me um a logo i said oh yeah yeah so i sent him a little quick drawing of what it would look like and he says, oh, he says, could you make more than one? He goes, I'm in a club. And he goes, everybody's going to want one. Oh, God. So I'm just God. really, really super excited about that. You know, that's exactly the type of person I want is just somebody that wants to spend some money on a nice sign. And um, they just want it. You know, they're not going to be, you know, nitpicky and, you know, bitch about this or that. They just know what they want. So I'm excited to get that one done and get that in his hands. He, you know, asked if I could you know, possibly make it light up. And I said, you know what? If you got the dough, whatever you want, you know, I'll do for you. There you go. You know, you got to find the clients with money. Yeah. You know, and it's well, it's to- also such a good experience for you to like build your portfolio. Cause like right yeah. now that's what you're doing. You're building your yeah. portfolio. Yeah. So it, it is nice. You know, I'm, I, tomorrow I'm delivering a sign for a lady that, um, you know, locally her husband has a skating school and, you know, um, that was fun to do. It was a nice, easy one, but it's just different than what I'm normally doing. And uh, But this one I'm, I'm really excited about. He has, like, all these ideas and different things he wants, and it's nice. I, I got a couple people like that. Once they get one thing, they just want you to keep making them different things, and they're, like, the best clients. You know, it's just um, it's just nice. It's just easy. It's just easy to get paid. It's easy to deliver. So I'm excited about this one. This could be a good one. So. And now that you have that new CNC, you don't have to worry about, you know, actually making the thing anymore. You don't have to struggle to actually make the sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to yeah, be easy. It's gonna work and it's going to happen. And yeah, we were actually, me and Chris were talking about that the other day. Like just if something, you know, you're using a, a certain machine and it dies and it's like you, you, you really have to deliver a job. Something you, you can't, I mean, you could make it by hand, but if you have a couple of them, you have to do. I mean, the guy in work, I made him was 58 of those signs, you know, at one time. So it's like, you know, you need it to be dependable. I mean, things break down, but it's just so much, it's just a joy just taking that part of it out of the equation, just knowing that the machine's going to work and it's going to do what it's supposed to do. So just yeah, a, it's hard enough to focus experience. on the work when you have to focus on, is the machine going to get you yeah. through the job, you know, like yeah. you know, focus yeah. on getting your client a, a good a good finished product. And then if your margin suffers because your machine sucks, then the yeah. job sucks. You'd rather, yeah. you know, you want to give them the money back and just say, it just, yeah, yeah I don't want to do it. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So are you gonna I, make uh, are you gonna make a video on uh, on any of this work you got? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to. Definitely. Because oh, you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Definitely going to. No, I'm going to because he wants one that the I I you know he wants one that the eyes light up, which I I think it's kind of weird, but. It's his money and it's going to be his sign. So I'm definitely going to do that. You know, I have to show that. So that's what I got going on. It should be out sometime early next year, 2021. <laughs> Let me know when you need the thumbnail. Yep, I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll text oh, yeah, you at 1130 on a Sunday night. Don't that's, I'm Derek's thumbnail artist. Are you I was going to say, Paul Pinto ghostwrites all Derek's thumbnails. Yep. <laughs> Shh, don't let all the secrets out. Paul, what do you got? Um, pretty much the same stuff. I'm just waiting for jobs to pick back up again. Um, you know, I don't know. So I have some jobs in New York that are, I think New York actually just, correct me if I'm wrong, but they just opened up construction again. Yeah, we did. Um, Phase phase one, I think was construction. Limited, like, you know, but you're in a more, uh, you're in a more rural County that you're going to be doing your work. in. So yeah, it's not like in the city. Um, so I think, you know, that stuff's going to get going again. Um, I have a couple other small things going on. I actually just, uh, went and looked at a pretty cool job for this guy. He, he follows me on Instagram. He's got a company. I don't know if he wants me to say his name yet, so I'm not going to, but I definitely will in the future if he wants me to, he had this really cool house. Um, and like this crazy staircase, um, that he wants me to do some pretty cool and, and, and tricky railings for. So that'll be an upcoming job. So I just got to see what happens with that. He's a pretty cool guy, but I just don't want to, you know, like say his name if he doesn't want me to, but he probably will. So I'll talk about that in the future. Is it a, uh, it's an interior railing or an exterior railing? Interior. Nice. It's a crazy staircase. It's like all like curved and all the, all the railings are curved. So it's going to be difficult, but it's going to, it's going to look really great. You know, if this is what he wants to do and we end up doing the job. Nice. Nice. Exciting. And I've got this, uh, I mentioned it in the last episode, but I, so I've got a project coming up that I'm really excited about with a, a YouTuber that I know from the, from the BMX world that I was once a part of. And he's got a econo line. He's got an E350 van and he wants a fold out like launch ramp that'll go over the van. And and everyone, as soon as I heard it, I thought the same thing that everyone thinks is that it's like front to back, like it's like an Evo Knievel jump. It's not. It's gonna be side to side over the van. That makes sense, yeah. Um, that would be so, a big jump if it was front yeah. to back. Listen, oh it's gonna God. be a big jump anyway. I oh, uh, yeah. finished the material calculations. Um, I'm literally, I've been doodling on the pad this whole time that we've been talking that has all the numbers on it, but he came out yesterday, uh, with the van and we took some field measurements. Uh, I met with my friend, Matt, who does the majority of the structural welding for me here. Um, cause that's what he does during the, during his day job. So he helps me with all the metal jobs and, and we, you know, we, we share them and partner on them. So, we're gonna be building a, a cro- we're gonna be building a steel roll cage for inside the van that we're gonna oh, anchor God. to the frame. We're gonna post up through the roof, build a deck on the roof, and then build the ramp folding down off the sides of the roof. And uh, the kid that we're doing it for, you know, he's got a great uh, YouTube following and he's got like half a million subs. And you know, he just like he's he loves the idea of doing it. And like, he was so excited for it yesterday. It made me more excited for it. Like, and I don't think like I I, thinking back, he didn't one time ask me how much it was going to cost. 
Like he knows it's a lot of work. He knows it's going to be expensive. And the only thing he said about money was when can I give you money to start? And like, I told him like, I'm going to take care of him. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make a fortune on it. I want to do it as effectively as cost effectively as possible. Cause he's got a, a big channel. He's going to promote me. He wants to, he's got a full-time filmer. The filmer is going to come to my shop while we're working on it so that he can film some of the process. The kid was there all day yesterday filming us just measuring up the van. So it, it's going to be a great project just cause it's going to be so much outside the box thinking and, and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited to get started. We're, we're looking at right now, my weight calculations are high. So I'm trying to figure out ways uh, to tighten it. So is he going to draw with this thing or like, so he it- wants to, yeah, he really? wants to, uh, his plan, it's a 15 passenger van. His plan is to take, I guess like six or seven of his friends and go, uh, like cross country with it and just be able to set it up. Like, I don't know if he's going to do like real, like scheduled events, but I mean, like his channel is like him and his friends doing wild stuff on their bikes already. Yeah. So, like something like this is is right up his alley. And the way that we're trying to build it is like right now it's it's five sections. It's two for the launch, two for the landing and one for the deck. We're trying to build it so that each section weighs like around 150 pounds so that two guys can pretty easily like fold it up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like the weight just adds up so quickly. And something I uh, I talked about in the last episode was like calculating weights for steel. I'm using an online calculator to get all my materials pounds per foot. And then when I made my material list to send to the steel guy for a price, you know, I can tell exactly how much it's going to weigh. So I'm at, I'm at like 1100 pounds in steel. Oh, wow. But you know, something that was brought up yesterday when we were doing the, 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 uh, field verification was like, if it's a 15 passenger van, car companies, I think, assume people weigh 200 pounds a person, right? So 15 passenger van, 200 pounds a person, it's 3000 pounds in the van. So if he's going with seven people and we're having the capacity of the van in terms of bodies, mm-hmm. that gives me like 1500 pounds to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's aside from the cargo weight. That's also calculated into a, a gross vehicle weight rating. Plus, it's a 350. I thought it was a 250. So it, it's a bigger vehicle. It's a little more robust. And the way that we're doing the, the cage inside is going to hit the frame mounts on both sides. We're going to be mounted on two pillars. The truck's going to have a roll cage in it, essentially, by the time we're done. So God forbid he gets in an accident or something, you know, he's not going to have to worry about the weight of the ramp on the roof crushing through his roof because he's going to have a steel cage, you know. And Matt, the fabricator, you know, the the caliber fabricator that he is, he's already joking with me about how he plans on doing the roll cage out of one continuous piece of pipe. And I'm like, dude, why don't we just put seams in it? He goes, no, we're doing it nice. Yeah. That's the answer. Like there's no option. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, buy one extra piece of tube in case we make a mistake, but we're doing it nice. So that's cool. It's gonna be real. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's uh, it's gonna be a lot of work because it's just a lot of welding. But I, th- yeah, I think that you know, it it brings me back to like my roots of of like riding bikes and building ramps in the backyard, and it it kind of circles in with more of like the fabricating and and the welding. So I think it's gonna be really fun. So that's what's up next. What are you making the ramps on that thing out of? Like, that's, what's the actual surface going to be? It, that's actually one of the things we're we're still thinking about. Because so, if you've ever heard of skate light, so skate light is what's on um, any like ramp at a skate park. 
Oh, I've seen that. I know what that is. Like really dense masonite that was made Uh just for skate parks. And, uh, it's like $200 a sheet, which isn't a problem, but I looked up online and it's 50 pounds a sheet for like, uh, material. So that's the problem. I need eight sheets of material, um, to cover the ramp. And we want to, we're thinking about doing, um, I'll take a step back. Normally with skate light, they want you to put two layers of half inch plywood and then the skate light on top of it. So three layers altogether. We're trying to lighten that up by using 16 gauge sheet metal and then skate light on top of that. But 16 gauge sheet metal is 80 pounds a sheet. So now you're talking about, you know, 130 pounds in just covering the ramp without the frame. Mm. So why don't you use expanded metal like those dirt bike jumps? Well, the problem is like, like a dirt bike jump, you're a little less likely to land on the jump. You're, you're, if you're even for the the takeoff one. Oh, you're saying like, if you 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 fall on expanded metal, you're, you're not having a good day. You're you're holding up the ramp as fast as you can to drive your ass to the emergency room. So even on the takeoff, like the initial jump, and then maybe you do the Masonite thing on the, yeah. the, the landing pad what we're thinking of is maybe do an expanded metal underneath the skate light because oh, that's true the light is nice and slick um it's it's to stand up in the weather and we really just need something to create like a webbing underneath it so that's the the only thing i'm not ordering in the initial order is the sheet metal or the skate light we're going to build it and we're going to experiment with some different materials and and uh i think you know i think we can figure it out um and you know listen if it takes three guys to fold this thing up it'll it's three guys to fold it up you know like we want to make it as quickly you know able to be deployed as possible but it's also got to like function so i think it's gonna be a lot of fun it'll uh you know coming soon to a to a walmart parking lot near you you're gonna see kids like flying doing (laughs) uh tricks over the the roof of an econo line so when do you think you're gonna start it I mean, he wants like if I could have started it yesterday, he would have he would have been doing backflips for. Oh it. wow! He wants to do it, so um, you know, having him come out and and meet with me. Not that I ever thought that he wasn't serious, but it definitely put a level of you know seriousness yeah. with it. So what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna take the van for the weekend, and we're gonna build the cage, and we're gonna build the top platform, and get that completely done. Then we're gonna shoot our measurements off of that. And then we can build all the rest of the stuff in the shop without having the van there. Cause he, he does use it to like, you know, go around and do stuff. So the idea is, uh, is get like, uh, you know, kind of the base install done and then build the rest. And I think, uh, yeah, very soon. So that's cool. Good thing you didn't get a sprinter van. Cause you'd be jumping 30 feet up in the air. When he saw my sprinter, he was like, yo, like that would be ridiculous. Jump so, inside. When we're done with it, his van is going to be probably as tall as my Sprinter with oh, the wow. the roof. With it folded like that? But that's not that bad. I mean, like nine feet. That's so tall for a jump. Oh, my God. No, no, no I'm sorry. The, the all folded, it'll be. Nine oh, feet. oh, oh, oh the, okay. the deck of the ramp will be uh, 83 inches, which oh, okay. isn't that bad. Like my forklift is 83 inches. Yeah. So. That's like a standard door height. I yeah. think that's why they make them that tall. That's That's pretty cool. That, is there any type of math you have to do for like the circumference of the, you know, the, the launch ramp to make sure you launch the bike properly? Like, 
Yeah. So I'm sure there's like a certain arc you'd want, right? Yeah, there is. There's a, there's a, there's a bunch of different formulas. What we wound up doing though, is I actually had him go to like the local skate park that he likes the launch of. And I had him take a picture with someone standing next to the ramp straight. Oh, okay. And then I scaled that in, uh, in SketchUp and I found the circular, the, the, the circumference arc of that ramp. And then I scaled it to fit on his truck. Gotcha. So the arc. I, I couldn't tell you what the actual arc is, but I know that it is based off of like reality. So um, that was a big question yesterday was like, you know, there are a lot of calculators online, but like we once we build this, I got to roll this tubing. It's one by three tubing. I got to roll on edge. So this is it. One shot. It's once it's done, I'm throwing the tubing out. You know, it's a hundred dollars a length. So every time I rebuild it, it's, you know, it's that it's probably by the time I'm done with welding in time, if I have to redo the ramp, it's probably like two grand. Mm. So the idea is like, get it right the first time and know that when he rides up and he's not going to be like, oh, this sucks. So, yeah, you might as well base it off of something that he could actually, you know, go ride and, and jump, I guess. Exactly. So the, a good ramp, idea. the ramp that he likes is only five feet tall. So I had to scale it pretty, you know, pretty significantly, but. Um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of like calculations into like not making it bad. So we'll see. You're going to need to slingshot these kids at the jump. Cause that thing's pretty big. They're gonna have to park probably, probably have to park like at the bottom of a hill, right? Uh, yeah. To get going. I don't know. Pretty we'll, quick. We'll find out. We'll the find overall out. length. So the, the, the length of the deck that they have to clear is not that big. It's, it's, I mean, it, it's not a short distance, but it's, it's about eight feet. And like, uh, like a, a guy like pedaling down the road that can like bunny hop high can jump eight feet easy. Oh, okay. Background. So it's actually going to be a pretty short distance to clear, but it's going to be like how high these guys want to go. Cause they, you know, when, when you have enough bike control, you can decide if you go far or high. So these, these guys will be, uh. I'm sure they're going to make it entertaining. And we've got a bunch of ideas to kind of expand on the like ramp in the future. So we're going to, me and Matt are engineering in, like we're going to pre-engineer like spots for accessories, you know? So we're going to put in a first aid kit. Uh, we're going to put in a life alert button, like a big, like, like the staples easy button right on top. You can just What's the kid's channel. Can you show uh, yeah, so his, his name is Anthony Panza. And I, his Instagram is at Anthony Panza. And if you go on YouTube and type in Anthony Panza, you can see the kind of stuff he does. But um, I, I saw a video of him and I didn't know it, this was the kid you were dealing with. I saw a video of this kid and I later found out it was your friend like a couple of weeks ago where he was grinding on a rail and a security guard came over and he's like, can I do it two more times? Or yeah. can I do it three more times. And the guy's like, I'll give you two more times. Then he goes and he grinds the rail he like pops off the rail and tries to stop and he falls right in the water. And then I'm like, uh, I watched that video a couple weeks ago. I'm like, oh, that was funny. Then you post the thing. I click on his account and there's the video. I'm like, oh my God, this is the kid. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Those he, kids uh, are crazy. He falls right into like a, a very dirty pond. Like that's oh, not a clean What was that? Was that in New York? Yeah. Is that Eisenhower Park in New York? That, oh. was, a, that was a bad day for him. But there's yeah, no, no clean bodies of water in New York, in New York City. He's just like got, there's like, no clean bodies of water in New York city. He's got a ton of energy and like, you know, it, it BMX, like skateboarders, pro skateboarders make a lot of money. 
Like if you can make it to be like a real true pro skater, you're making a lot of money. There's a lot of money in skateboarding and there is like no money in BMX. Like Nigel Houston, skateboarder. He's killing it. To see like him and his generation finding a way to make money doing exactly what I did when I was his age for no money is really cool. Like it's, it's awesome to see like, you know, the the economy wasn't there when we were like 21 or 22 doing the same stuff to make videos and make money now he's getting you know he gets the same kind of deals that the guys in our circle make doing ads you know like when he does an ad for squarespace he makes the same kind of money that like anybody that we know makes doing an ad for squarespace that's cool it's it's really cool and like he he rides for a company that i was friendly with when i rode and now he's actually doing drop ship distribution for that company too so he's actually being able to like help kids get bikes and uh anyway we'll uh talk a lot more about him as the project goes but what are you guys watching and who are you going to shout out as we wrap this one up I'm going to shout out my friend Bernie, Bernie Solo, works by Solo. He um, just put out a video where he made a wrench for his... Um, Chucky. His, yeah, Chucky. Sorry, I'm not a machinist. <laughs> Thank you for not having the machinists get get me because I know they're a very sensitive group. But um, Bernie's sure a great guy. He, uh, he re- literally helped me every day for a week, and um, he posts videos, and... He does really neat neat things, and uh, he's got a great imagination. He's a good friend. He's um, he makes some good projects. He has some things he's working on that are top secret, so I can't talk about them. But um, works by Solo, so give Bernie a watch and uh, tell him I sent you. So that's me. Shout out to Bernie. I like Bernie a lot. He's great. Yeah, he's guy. Good, yeah. What do you got, Paul? Um. I don't even know. Oh, you know, I do have, some, I do have something. I've been watching this guy. Um, he's got this company called, I've been trying to get chickens and ducks since I was like a little kid in my house. And like, I'm not allowed to. And I've been watching this guy. I've been dreaming of a chicken coop. I don't even know why, <laughs> but I found this guy. He's got this company called Carolina coops mm-hmm. and he makes like, you know, the, Taj Mahal of like chicken coops. He makes like the most advanced chicken coops you've ever seen. They have literally have like, you know, sitting rooms inside the chicken coops with like rocking chairs and like paintings of chickens inside the (laughs) sitting room. It's like the craziest thing. Like these people are dropping like 70 grand on a chicken coop. But it's like Bernie's chicken coop. Bernie has a nice chicken coop too. Oh, does he really? Yeah, real nice chicken coop. Yeah. Carolina coops. Carolina coops. This guy is like so into it. It's so funny. But he like gives these in-depth tours of like chicken coops. I'm 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 gonna get chickens. Like me and my mom already well, not chickens. I'm getting chickens. My mom thinks I'm just getting ducks. And my dad doesn't think I'm getting anything. So next time I'm up at Jimmy's house, I'm going to get ducks and chickens. My mom's okay with the ducks. She's not okay with the chickens. And my dad's not okay with anything, but he's going to hear this and my cover's going to be blown. But <laughs> Listen, they're easy know. to deal with. I've had them, so you know I've got them here. But this guy, his whole thing is like that you don't, he's got this system where you use like industrial grade hemp shavings. This is like advanced chicken coop oh science God. here. I'm you use industrial grade hemp shavings oh. and you, and, and it, does something with the chicken poop where it biodegrades and you don't have to clean the coop for literally like a year or two. There's he's like this whole chemistry, like 
That's definitely going to be important. The, the percentage of nobody wants to clean up chicken shit. It's not. Oh fun. my god, we got. I, it's, Dude, it's, these coops are crazy. It's the craziest, Derek. You got to see the coops. Oh, I, I am. I'm, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's an unbelievable coop this guy makes. I would love to live in those <laughs> things. Year. Yeah, and Thank everything's you. like like high density polyethylene flooring. Like there you go. He, he builds these house like and these coops better York, than most people guy. build houses. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's in, he, Car- in North Carolina. Carolina Coops, Clifton Springs, New York. Oh wow! Oh, beautifully. Oh, probably deliver one. Yeah, so I want to. I want to try and build a chicken coop. Maybe and I've been watching this guy like just the past couple of days. I've been looking at this guy's channel. It's funny though. Nice, nice. How about but, Carolina Coops, baby? You can't. You know, you can't make this up. Yeah, he calls the chickens girls. He's. This will be great for the girls. He says. You know, <laughs> it's funny, but That's we'll see. Tough. We'll see if I end uh, up with ducks and chickens. Probably not. You're gonna you're gonna end up with them. That's for sure. Well, it's just, yeah. it's just a matter of who of of how long they last. I mean, my freaking sister gets to have horses and crap. Like, why can't I have you know a, a five dollar duck that at least will do something productive? It'll lay an egg. You know, at least <laughs> you get something from it. It's gotta do. She even told me no because I brought this up and she goes, "You're not getting ducks." I'm like, "Who who are you <laughs> to tell me I can't get a duck?" It's unbelievable what goes on in, in, in the house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, I'm going to uh, – I mentioned this guy last week, uh, but I didn't have his info, and I, I watched a couple more of his videos. His name is Daniel DeBruin, and he has a YouTube channel and an Instagram. He's in the Netherlands, and he makes just really great videos about um, kind of stuff – that I never thought I'd be interested in, but these like marble machines and like cool mechanisms. And he's just, he's just got a uh, really inspiring kind of really inspiring stuff that made me want to make something creative and, and make something different. So by watching his, by watching his videos, it made me want to get in my shop and, and make something that was different than I normally make. So Daniel DeBruin, um, hopefully by the time this comes out, I've figured out how to add show notes so I can add links to Bernie, uh, the Carolina Coop man, and uh, this guy Daniel from the Netherlands. But uh, nice. yeah, that's uh, that's it. So that wraps up episode two of the Handmade Podcast. Um, nice. Thank you guys very much, and shout out to the Makery Network. Craig uh, Lockwood from Chop Knives set this up and got us set up here on the Makery. Um, so we should be on all the platforms and, and all the stuff. Follow our Instagram at handmade podcast. Is that it? That's the, that's the Instagram, right? Well, you made it. So you should, well, you guys have the password. Yes. At handmade. I don't know what the password is. I forgot what the password was. At Matt, at handmade podcast at Derek from Malden at Paul Pinto jr. At make everything shop. I think that's it. The handmade podcast. Say goodbye, folks. Wrap it up. Thank you. Wrap it up. Thank you. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.